This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore. We're going to spend a little time today talking to one of the more iconic fire-based public information officers who's seen just about everything there is to see. But first, let's hear a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Side Alpha Podcast is sponsored by the Homeland 6 Tactical Radio Straps. These custom radio straps feature extractor washable decontamination, superior comfort, and functionality. Learn more at Homeland6.com. That's HomelandSIX.com. I want to welcome Pete Perringer to the Side Alpha Podcast. Pete has been a member of the fire service for just about 50 years. Pete Perringer is currently the Chief Spokesperson and Public Information Officer for the Montgomery County, Maryland Fire and Rescue Service. He has previously served as the Director of Communications for the City of Laurel, Maryland, the Office of the Mayor in Washington, D.C. He was the Chief Spokesperson and Director of Public Information for the District of Columbia Fire and EMS Department. He was the PIO and Assistant PIO for the Prince George's County, Maryland Fire and EMS Department and for the Maryland State Police. And in his spare time, Pete also currently serves as the president of the College Park, Maryland Volunteer Fire Department, where he has been a member for about 50 years. Pete is also an adjunct instructor for the National Fire Academy Emergency Management Institute. As an instructor, Pete travels around the country teaching several public information related courses to fire service and other public officials. I've personally known Pete for my entire 40 years of public safety service. Wow. Pete, thanks for joining us today, my friend. Chief, it's uh, good to be here at Side Alpha Podcast. And certainly, uh, you know, you mentioned that, you know, 40 and 50 years. I mean, that's just crazy. And if you think about how much has changed, uh, certainly not only in the fire service society, but also, uh, you know, what we're going to talk about, I hope, uh, you know, some public information world and public affairs how much that's yeah. changed. Uh, you know, I'm pretty excited to get into it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's impossible that it's been that long because neither of us are that old. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll uh, roll with the, uh, the time. I do remember first uh, understanding what PIOs were by watching you and, and Mark Brady. And I recall um, after an incident, you had to uh, go back to the office and uh, fax the press release to the local media. And um, it was really a big deal the day that they uh, developed a group faxed, uh, a group fax capability. And instead of having to fax it 10 or 12 times, you, you only had to do it once or twice. That's right. So, uh, you know, in fact, uh, I'm, I'm glad you say that because uh, not many people uh, re- they not many people know what a fax machine is for that matter, but uh, you know they really don't appreciate um, you know that lack of technology or the way that we had to do things. So you know I really don't tell those stories anymore because folks today and, and you know as we go around teaching and even you know people in the fire service today that I interact with, they have no concept of what the heck I'm talking about. So uh, you know I really don't go over that, but you're absolutely right. The uh, you know, and we were part of an organization, the Prince George's County Fire Department in Maryland, metropolitan Washington area. Uh, we had a, you know, a chief that was pretty proactive uh, from a media sense. And, uh, you know, so I, I personally benefited uh, hugely from that. The organization benefited. 
and you know the fire service in general i think and uh you know we were able to uh parlay that out into the community and you know take those teachable moments in education and you know eventually the evolution of our you know community risk reduction and our public education efforts and so forth were all you know uh, in lack of step and uh in in sync so uh, but you know you're absolutely right it did take um you know just you mentioned the press release uh I haven't done a press release in several years now, obviously you know technology <laughs> helps a lot with that but you know, back in the day, and uh, when I say in the day, it was, you know, in the 70s and 80s, it, uh, you know, you would go to an incident, get the information, you know, go back to an office, write up your price, press release, and fax it out. And initially, as you mentioned, you had to do it one by one, and it took a couple hours. But, uh, but you know, it's fair to see, we should also mention that the media was a lot different then, too. Sure. Um, you know, when I first got started in this, and, and before you, probably when you were a youngster, uh, you know, there was only a maybe 15-minute uh, news in the morning, uh, whatever the uh, regular shows were, and then there was a 6 o'clock news and an 11 o'clock news. And uh, that was pretty much it. And, of course, we know what today's world is like. Sure. Uh, it's yeah. the clock on many different uh, channels. So yeah. Changed, it, and, uh, you know, we'll talk about that a little. Technology is definitely... Uh definitely changed what uh, information, how information flows across the world. And, you know, you in, in the 50 years we've talked about, you're arguably one of the uh, more well-known PIOs in the fire service and literally have been doing this for decades. I've personally stood shoulder to shoulder with you and Mark Brady on any number of high visibility incidents, uh, along with the everyday stuff. Uh, when you started in this business as a volunteer like I said, nearly 50 years ago, did you ever see yourself as ending up on the five o'clock news and really interested in if you could share a bit of how you found yourself getting into the PIO role? Well, uh, you know, I got my start as a volunteer or even before that, um, you know, as a youngster and my brother was in the service in College Park. So, you know, I was exposed to that. But uh, and then as a career, um, I was at communications, you know, dispatcher. So, uh, you know, and I had a part-time job at the time as a uh, traffic reporter. So I was a little bit, I guess you could say, into the media because of that. But uh, I never really saw it. And it was just, like I said, the, uh, you know, we had some great opportunities in Prince George's County as the uh, community grew. And, um, you know, Chief uh, Eastep, in this case, um, you know, saw the opportunities to, you know, reach out into the communities and so forth. The, you know, I was able to become part assistant public information officer, you know, writing press releases and newsletters and things like that initially. But and then there, there was a really huge evolution of the media and technology and, you know, the news shows were expanding and, you know, the investigate, you know, Dateline and those types of shows also, you know, we had opportunities there and, uh, so, you know, uh, no, to answer your question, no, I never really aspired to be that. Uh, you know, we did not have uh, public information officer classes back in those days. Uh, so it was all kind of on-the-job learning. And uh, certainly, as I said, um, you know, Tony DiSofano was a public information officer, and uh, we had a lot of support from uh, Chief Eastnep at the time. And uh, certainly, uh, I think that's what separated us from most other organizations in that regard. Yeah, I think that's fair to say um, a lot of the, the visibility that an organization will or won't have is going to be driven by uh, the chief's expectation of um, 
in engagement with the community. And, um, you know, if you have a chief that is not uh, zeroed in on that engagement, then the PIO's role takes a, a, a different direction. And um, so it sounds like you were, to some extent, uh, right place, right time. And certainly you've not only made a name for yourself, but you've, you along with others, have um, had a, a significant impact in advancing the professional role of the PIO. And I know I certainly appreciate that. Um, so as you've done that, can you talk about some of the more difficult nuances for PIOs? So, you know, we're, we're talking, we're not just really talking about PIOs, we're talking about any firefighter that might find themselves in the role of disseminating public information in an official capacity. So what are some of those more difficult nuances for PIOs and how do you instruct students to navigate those nuances? Well, you know, you touched on a little bit and, you know, you have to have buy-in from the leadership and, you know, you, if it, it certainly helps a lot. I've been blessed in my careers. I've had, you know, worked for some great uh, departments that have proactive, but also uh, for the most part throughout my career, I've been uh, in, uh, involved in a department that has a dedicated public information officer. A lot of departments do not have that um, opportunity. You know, they, they, uh, it's just an auxiliary function of somebody's job sometimes. But uh, that being said, you know, the, the, you talk about nuances, and it's really all about the environment and, uh, you know, relationships and, you know, know, knowing the audience, really. So, and that can be the political landscape. It can be the organizational uh, up, uh, you know, mixture or, you know, how it's put together. Uh, again, uh, buy-in from the leadership. And, uh, you know, it's big department, small department, north, uh, you know, in the southern states, northern states, out west. So in in my travels, and, and you know, Mark and I do a lot of, um, we have an opportunity, and I guess we'll get into this in a little while, but to go, go around the country, in, in our case, you know, with uh, FEMA and the Emergency Management Institute. And, you know, we see it. You know, we're exposed to it. So that's really benefited us, I believe, um, in, in our travels. Uh, we see how other other departments operate and, you know, what other people are thinking. And so it's, but it all boils down to knowing your audience. And uh, certainly nowadays there is all kinds of opportunity to take uh, courses. A lot of the courses, especially uh, nowadays, it's um, on uh, a lot of online coursework. So there's opportunities there. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that's all I would say is just kind of look out there, know your audience, know who you need to talk to, know what the messaging should be, and, uh, you know, that will go a long way and, you know, as you go forward to navigate all these nuances. Yeah, and I, you know, I certainly appreciate that uh, you got to have the buying from leadership, but also don't want to diminish the need for the PIO to develop. Like you just said, there's all kinds of classes, and, I certainly can tell the difference between a, a trained PIO standing at the podium um, and one who's not uh, just by watching their process and, and the prowess of that person standing there. And I, I want to give our listeners a sense of you know how they might be able to develop those skills and how important it is for PIOs or, or people who fill in that role at a scene to understand what the process is and how to follow, quote unquote, the process. Um, can you provide some tricks of the trade to share them with us of uh, what some of that might look like for people? Yeah, and, and, and uh, I'm sorry, I made some assumptions there that for sure, but 
the uh, I think um, again my career I've had opportunity to get a lot of practice, uh, especially in the early years of Prince George's County. But uh, you know the landscape has changed so much um, that uh, you know news is breaking every minute. Uh, it's around the clock, you know. So there are ample opportunities, and I think if you just kind of uh, you know you can learn from others. Uh, so if somebody gets into it, uh, if they have a aptitude for that. You know, certainly they watch, you know, television, how other PIOs operate or, you know, the good, the bad. Uh, you know, there's uh, just, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot, has a lot to do with networking and relationships and being part of, you know, professional organizations and so forth. And, uh, you know, there's lots of opportunities to, you know, pick up um, information and, uh, you know, ways to do things. But, uh, I, again, I think... Um, like for an example, uh, FEMA, there's you know online course, you know basic PIO, that's a great start. It's a really good course. It kind of gives you introduction to it. You know, it's not for everybody. You know, a lot of the PIOs we see today are not like Mark and I. You know, we we came up in the service. we you know have a fire service background and so forth. Uh, a lot of the PIOs that, that I meet and see and know uh, in this area are former journalists or other you know professionals from corporate world. And, uh, you know, they're great with, uh, you know, crisis communications. And, of course, the journalists uh, can speak, they can write. Um, you know, so that's, uh, you know, it's what they bring to the table. And uh, that's a huge benefit in a lot of cases. But, you know, to be well-rounded, you have to know and have the um, confidence in your organization and members of your organization as well. So, uh, you know, you can start by learning what, you know, how, to put, how the fires are put out. And uh, what the emergency in our in our sense in our um, you know world what the uh, was it what it's all about how we respond and you know that's uh, not nothing more evident than that right now is when we uh, have been dealing with the pandemic for the last year uh, trying to not only educate uh, us and our community on you know how we are handling things uh, but also there's some been some great uh, teachable moments in education working with our uh, friends in public safety and public health and other right. stuff. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, coursework is uh, is critical. And I, I like uh, the, like you said, to practice, practice and, and just watch those that are successful and learn from them. Sometimes that's the best, uh, best learning opportunity you're going to have outside of that classroom. So for those that uh, have either chosen to go into this arena or they they happen to be new in, as a PIO, what advice can you share for um, beyond taking the classes and watching the good people to make sure that they uh, can find the right footing, that they that they keep focused in the right direction? Can you provide, give them some advice? Well, it's just, uh, you know, practice, practice, practice. And, um, you know, I, I know that, um, you know, there's, certain things to do as far as, you know, a news conference. And, and again, you know, it's, uh, depends on the environment where you are. It really does change. So, uh, those types of things, but, um, uh, you know, I, I know that, um, you know, generally, you know, we drill it into people's head in our training at the emergency management Institute is, you know, get the right information to the right people at the right time so they can make right decisions. Well, you know, that's true in our, you know, media relations and PIO world, but, you know, isn't it true in a lot of other things that we do, you know, just general life, you know, get the right information to the right people at the right time so they make the right decisions. So, 
if you're training or you know you're going to school or whatever you know you want to apply that uh so it's no different than uh you know being on an emergency scene you know being the public information officer you know getting the right information to the right people at the right time so they make the right decisions so yeah you know, and that's you know, that's big for sure yeah and you know so that is kind of the overarching uh, premise of you know what the instruction is but uh you know once you start uh, realizing like how <laughs> beneficial that is you know and i know our good friend dave statter and i and uh, we we all go back a while but you know a long time ago of course he has a you know, website and everything and you know he always um subscribed to the notion of you know get it first get it right get it out and yeah. there's been a lot of discussion in pios and chiefs and all that you know that you know, is that really the right thing to do all the time? Well, you know, in the social media wor- world and the technology the way it is, you, you know, I, I say absolutely. Get yeah. it first, get it right, get it out. You become the source of information. You become the go-to uh, website or, you know, Twitter feed or whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, don't take it lightly. And, you know, get it first. You know, generally, uh, you know, you have to, that the information, get it, makes notifications, whatever, you know, whatever process you have, get it out first, of course, get it right. And, uh, then, you know, it kind of, you know, cause, uh, you know, you'll, there's a lot of misinformation in today's world, uh, yeah. but, uh intentional and unintentional. So, yeah. uh, you know, get it first, get it right and get it out. Yep. Good stuff. Um, this, I, you know, I mentioned in the beginning, we, we, uh, together uh, have been involved in some really high profile information events uh, together. Um, I think along the way, one of the things I've learned, and and it's not just with high profile events, but one of the things I've learned is one of the hardest things for chiefs and younger firefighters to do and understand, um, really to understand is what not to say. Uh, Is there an art to remembering what you can't say uh, you know, PIOs have a lot of information sometimes that they can't share. Uh, so, so how do you ensure that you don't overstep and you, you don't say what you can't say? Well, you know, going back to the previous point, like, you know, being the PIO, we're actually do interviews. Uh, there, it's very infrequent, you know, so it's, we thought we call it the 95, five. So, and that might, might change a little bit nowadays, but so 95% of the time, you're not really dealing with the media, you're not, you know, doing interviews, so you're doing other stuff. Uh, that's nothing unlike a chief is involved with. So uh, I've often thought, I always, I know, it's very, it's one of the most difficult, I think, uh, in, in my relationships with uh, chiefs and leadership is that it's probably one of the most difficult things for them to do because they they have uh, for example that you know they have all the information they know all the answers but mm-hmm. there's something that at certain times they shouldn't be said so you know they I, I believe you know you kind of have to struggle with that in your head a little bit and uh, sometimes uh, you know might overthink it a little so you know just kind of um, as you go into something and they, so right off the bat we we understand that it's difficult. And that might be true for subject matter experts. You know, they know everything about something, but <laughs> not necessarily, you know, other things. Right. Uh, right. It might be true for investigators, you know, whatever. But so just kind of, uh, you know, mentally prepare. You know, there's some technique of having a couple of, you know, bullet points 
you know, four or five things that you want to say, uh, you know, repeat those, you know, have some, you know, I always have a, you know, catchphrase, like, you know, check your smoke alarm or something like that. Uh, in case you need to buy a few seconds to think of something, you know, you have something to say. So always hold something back, but, you know, think about, think ahead of time. I mean, most of the time, uh, the things that we deal with are not, you know, ambush interviews anymore, uh, for the most part. So you have an opportunity to kind of, uh, take a moment before you involved in an interview and, you know, write down, jot down a few points and, uh, you know, we, we call it when we're teaching classes, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, uh, you know, we anticipate what reporter, you know, what your uh, reporters uh, might ask. And that's where a PIO can come in and whisper into your ear, you know, that they might ask about this, they might ask about that. You know, something you might not even be thinking about. Sure. Uh, you, you might be thinking of tactics or, you know, putting the fire out or whatever. But, uh, you know. And, and you may have just come out of a budget meeting and got this going on and that going on. So it, it is very difficult for, I believe, for um, very important people to, you know, get, get that uh, right sometimes and, and uh, know what not to say. But I think if you just kind of have a couple points, you know, and uh, a PIO can help you with that and, you know, kind of stick to it. And, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, very it's human nature to want to be – uh, you know, you said before, get it first, get it right, get it out. It's it's human nature to want to be the one giving the information, uh, especially for the the type A uh, uh, personality kind of people. They they want to get the information out, and just understanding that nuance is, I think, critical. And uh, certainly, they need to be leaning on the PIO. And uh, it, I think the the uh, earlier answer about making sure they understand the uh, politics, understand the community, uh, a lot of times that will help you understand what should and shouldn't be said. Um, and I know one thing that you and Mark Brady uh, taught me as I was a, a battalion chief coming up and, you know, I would get a TV camera thrust in my face and on the scene of something, um, usually an accident, a vehicle wreck or something like that. And I would begin to talk about the cause of the accident. And Mark Brady would tell me, um, you're not a police officer. You don't talk about the cause of accidents. That's the responsibility for a police investigator. And it, as a young, you know, young chief coming up, I didn't even think about that. Uh, but that's a, a big piece of advice. If it's not under your purview, it's not for you to discuss. Um, so, so a lot of nuances that I think people just don't think about. Well, in, in that in that regard, you know, if you if you if we think about it here, you know, what what are what's what's the message here? So, you know, say you have a response to whatever the incident is. So, I think what's interesting to the community is like how much does this cost? How many people are there? You know, how many, who's hurt? You know, what's the impact on the community? So, you yeah. know, uh, it's always a good idea, and that's an easy thing to kind of get into is like. We have 25 fire rescue personnel here. You know, 10 fire truck. You know, whatever. Uh, kind of, ex- you know, kind of explain the the scene. And like Mark suggested, you don't need to be talking about. You may know what caused it, uh, right. but you don't have to talk about it. Even the, you know, that's true for fires too. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. What the investigators cross with these and not the eyes. You might think you know, but uh, if I've learned, I was just telling somebody. In fact, uh, the other day, my very first fire as the lone PIO, you know, like Tony trained me and I'm out doing my thing was a fire in uh, 
off of Queen's Chapel Road, double fatal, overnight. And at that time, we they didn't have uh, you know news coverage around. Uh, however, there was a, a police beat reporter uh, from the newspaper that was there, and you know he's kind of pressuring me. And, you know, uh, had two uh, women were in a bed, you know, that were died, and uh, so double fatal. Well, long story short, it, it turned out not to be what was seemed obvious, and uh, they had been murdered and or strangled. So, uh, you know, we didn't know till the next day when they didn't have slit in their trachea. Uh, and I had already been saying I was all eager to get the information out that it was an electrical fire. And coincidentally, there was an electrical fire, but it was also, um, you know, uh, apparently set. Yeah. So uh, I was able to learn very early in my career that, uh, you know, things aren't always as what they seem. And I, I hope sure. Sure. Today, so uh, sure. you know, and that's, I think, as I said, it's uh, and you know, it's uh, difficult for you to come, you know, get your head around it. You know, when you come up to a scene, you just got out of the budget meeting, you know, and you were asked to talk about, you know, what happened. So, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. You know, just jot down a few points, and that's where a PIO, a seasoned PIO, can really you know, help you out. Yep. You know, for years you've worked at as you said, progressive and uh, pretty highly visible fire departments, Prince George's County, Maryland, Montgomery County, Maryland, Washington, D.C. Can you uh, reflect on some of the more challenging public information efforts you've had to engage in? And, uh, you know, I'll throw in the Maryland State Police, too, because that, really that was really education for me, for sure. Um, you know, it's, there is a big difference between the police and fire and the way we present uh, or at least the way I had, uh, was able to deal with the media. And uh, so it was a great education there. But um, I'd say, you know, there's, um, there's, there's been a lot of a lot of incidents, and uh, I've probably forgotten a lot of the big ones, but uh, certainly some you know, huge building explosions. There's been some very tragic and emotional, you know, fatalities of one sort or another. Uh, but the, certainly you, know, you mentioned the D.C. sniper case, uh, you know, I've worked for a couple of the organizations that were involved in that, uh, but that just uh, was uh, huge. That was in uh, 2002. Uh, of course, that was right after 9/11, and that's a you know whole uh, other set. But you know, and uh, you know, we had serial arsonists. You know, so there's a big high-profile cases and a lot of weather events. Uh, when I was in D.C., you know, we had an earthquake, which was uh, you know challenging and, and uh, pretty unique. Uh, pretty much everything in D.C. was unique, you know, because of the, just where you are. Uh, yeah. you, know, you might have a small fire at the Library of Congress, but, you know, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, they have fires every day, um, you know, more so than the surrounding jurisdictions. But, um, uh, you know, we have, like, you know, there's train wrecks and transportation events and so forth. And I will say probably... Um, the ones that were uh, most uh, difficult uh, to navigate were those line of duty deaths. Um, you know, unfortunately, I had to you know had a few, and you know, it was probably different uh, back in the '70s and '80s than it is now. But um, it was still you know challenging for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely a lot of challenging stuff in that uh, national capital region, and uh, one of the more difficult areas to work. It's uh, interesting stuff. Let's take a brief moment 
to recognize our sponsor. Homeland 6 tactical radio straps are heavy duty, yet lightweight and 100% made in USA. These are the world's first custom radio straps made from military-grade nylon that's used in ballistic vests. Unlike traditional leather, they're also extractor washable for pathogens like COVID-19 and carcinogen decon. These are making leather straps a thing of the past. Homeland 6 tactical radio straps are available in multiple colors with adjustable regular and extra large sizes, even with reflective or glow-in-the-dark patterns and custom text. New customers can receive a discount on their first order of tactical radio straps or accessories at homeland6.com. That's homelandsix.com. Okay, let's shift gears for a moment uh, to what I'm assuming is one of the most memorable days of your career, certainly of mine. I can remember where I was, what I was doing to the T. Uh, and in your case, that was serving as the PIO for the Montgomery County Fire Rescue on September 11th when the plane struck the Pentagon that was uh, really less than 30 minutes away from where you were. Can you tell us about that experience? Yeah, wow. You know, that's like uh, 20 years ago, and it's, uh, uh, you know, thinking back on it, uh, you know, it was not, it's no, in some sense, it wasn't any different than any, you know, big fire, but certainly uh, we knew differently, but um, I, I think... Uh, thinking back on it, it's like in those days, it's hard to believe now, but, you know, we didn't have radios that communicated with other jurisdictions. And, of course, that was, you know, Maryland, Virginia, and then a couple large, you know, organizations, Fairfax, Arlington, Prince George's, Montgomery, D.C. So uh, we really couldn't talk to each other on the radio very well. So that's one thing. Um you know, I, I don't even know if, you know, the, the certainly uh, there wasn't a uh, wealth of uh, Internet, you know, community, you know uh, social media type stuff, certainly. Uh, even uh, cellular phones were, you know, not everybody had them um, for the most part. And, uh, you know, being in another jurisdiction, but, uh, you know, so we not only responded mutual aid for initially uh, from Montgomery County with uh, EMS, and keep in mind, I had, you know, family and certainly friends that worked in certain places and, you know, worried about, you know, as we all were, you know, what our family was sure. doing. Everybody, yep. everybody was okay, you know, because initially there was, you know, all kinds of reports. You know, State Department was being attacked and this and that. But um, uh, Montgomery County uh, was able to respond initially with some fire rescue uh, EMS uh, units, uh, primarily from BCC Rescue Squad. Uh, along with some other surrounding jurisdictions, and there were some fire units, uh, fire rescue units ended up going down there. Uh, then uh, within a couple of hours, our urban search and rescue team, the FEMA urban search and rescue team, was actually uh, getting ready to go to New York. Uh, and uh, they said uh, they were redirected. So initially, uh, uh, Virginia Task Force 1 and 2, which is uh, Fairfax and uh, Virginia Beach, and uh, Maryland Task Force One ended up at the Pentagon, so that was you know, within a couple of hours. And uh, so I was—that's when I was able to uh, kind of get down and get into that area. And you know, it was interesting. I was—you know—at least my frame of mind was—I was in a, another state, you know. And uh, you know, there was <laughs> media coming up. There was—it wasn't very organized. Uh, 
you know, nobody knew who to talk to. Of course, a very complicated situation being the Pentagon, and, you know, uh, people were focused on the emergency services part of it, for sure. And um, eventually, um, if you recall, the media assembled on the hill at the gas station. It kind of looks over the Pentagon. And, uh, you know, I was there. I, I knew a lot of local reporters. And there was you know, national and international uh, media showing up there, everybody wanting interviews. You know, and I'm, I'm not even in my own state. I'm not talking to you. Know, I think it would be different nowadays, but uh, certainly uh, then I was not interested in talking to them. But uh, it, in the meantime, you know, our friend Dave Satter was a local media uh, reporter. And uh, he was there. He was, you know, he had some. He was there. He was, you know, basically witness it happen. Uh, he was in close proximity, but um, and uh, he knows a lot of the inside workings of the department and so forth. But uh, so really, the first uh, and there were some uh, interviews, some information coming from the military, I think, and just general things that weren't uh, real specific and it wasn't uh, real uh, in depth, but. Uh, Dave actually was able to uh, talk to one of our urban search and rescue people for the 11 o'clock news, and uh, you know, here comes Scott Graham, who uh, you know, yeah. and yeah. Uh, he was part of the urban search and rescue team at the time, and uh, he actually, you know, provided some information to Dave, um, you know, generally what was happening, and uh, you know, the Pentagon's still burning. There was a you know a structural collapse. There were fatalities. Of course, he didn't get into all that, but. You know, um, that was kind of the beginning of it, and um, then eventually, I believe, uh, as assistant city manager from Arlington, I think, you know, started doing some media. But, uh, you know, it's just a lot different there, and, uh, of course, we were there for, you know, days and weeks in some shape or form, so. Yeah, it's pretty hard for the, like you, we were talking earlier about the folks today, and, you know, coming up on the 20th anniversary and um, there are firefighters entering the service for the last two years that weren't even born when 9-11 happened. So uh, it's hard for them to grasp what that's about. Um, even harder when you made mention of no social media, Twitter and Facebook didn't really come on the scene till 2004 and 2006. So, you know, the, it, we were still very much in the era of fax machines and a uh, little bit of Internet stuff going on, but no social media per se. So um, can you can you talk about any specific takeaways to share uh, with the PIO world uh, or that the PIO world learned from the events of 9-11, whether it's Arlington, Pennsylvania or New York? Yeah, so I think, you know, uh, of course, you know, there's been a world of change uh, in the way that we communicate and organize and the incident management teams and, you know, the, uh, just the overall communications, of course, technology, you know, social media and, and so forth. So we have, you know, chain of command and, you know, we have, uh, you know, there's all kinds of things going on there. But uh, I think, you know, you basically say, you know, one message, many voices. So, you know, you, have, you would have to coordinate that um, and uh, yeah I think that's where our um, ICS and uh, you know, uh, it's a management system you know the NIMS uh, comes into play and is you know evolved quite a bit and is is you know helps in those situations sure. for sure yeah. I mean, we don't even think about it uh, I would, you know I don't 
you don't even think about it, but uh, that is, uh, you know, a lot of the obstacles we had, uh, I think, were lessons learned and, you know, was incorporated into NIMS and, and ICS and those types of things. So, And then yeah. the technological, we have mutual aid radios down, you know, uh, talk groups and this and that and, you know, EMS and fire and rescue, you know, research and rescue. So, um, you know, it's just uh, uh, huge changes since then. Sure, and I, I mean, I can certainly attest that the, the National Capital Region is one of those UASI benefited uh, areas that, uh, you know, that was able to implement the Trump radio system, and what a world of difference that would make today. Um, I'm, it would be just as chaotic a scene, it just is what it is, but to be able to talk jurisdiction to jurisdiction is huge. And um, that just didn't exist in any broad sense at all on 9-11. So, so separating from 9-11, uh, think about other types of incidents. Uh, is there a particular incident or series or type of incident that struck you more personally than others? Uh, you know, I know it's difficult for a chief to disengage personally from certain events. So I, I Guess and PIOs have the same problem. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, we're all we're human, or we should be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say that uh, <clears throat> you know, you know, if you have children, certainly, you know, if there's any, sure. any, uh, an incident that involves children, um, you know, I think I learned some skill. I had some. I had learned skills very early in my career working at communications, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you were part of that early on, but. Um, it's a lot different now because everybody has headsets and stuff and computers. Okay. But, you know, before that, uh, you know, there was yelling across a room and, you know, writing stuff on cards and this and that. So a lot of times if you're working the radio, you had to block things out. You had to know everything that was going on, but you block things out. And I think I've learned that very well. Yeah. My wife, I've learned it too well sometimes. But, yeah. the, uh, but I think, um, you know, uh, but uh, as you know, I think I get older, and you know, you, you uh, get around the block a few times to see more stuff, uh, good, bad. Now, uh, you know, uh, early in my career, you didn't, you sucked it up and didn't talk about it. Now we have all kinds of, you know, uh, things, you know, mental sure. health concerns and so forth. So a lot of access to that. But uh, I, I just kind of go back. I, I just um, and. Uh, it was probably because I knew the people, but the uh, the uh, line of duty deaths, Al Sunday and Jimmy Vora, pretty close together. You know, I was you know when they were about my age, and you know, like I said, I, I knew them pretty well. And um, you know, that just kind of well, that was those were very difficult. Um, I think as a PIO, um, but um, and I'm sure other PIOs share that same thing where. You know, your your uh, department's impacted in such an emotional way, but also uh, in, on many levels. Yeah. Uh, but there's been so many others, you know, tragedy um, uh, that has impacted the community. Uh, and again, as if you're part of that community, you're invariably going to know somebody or know somebody that knows somebody involved. But uh, you know, that being said, uh, the flip side is also true. Uh, and countless rescues and, uh, you know, education and, and lives saved, uh, whether it be, you know, by AEDs or, you know, bystanders, CPR, or, you know, pulling neighbors, you know, 
throwing a ladder up or firefighters, you're bringing multiple people down. So, um, you know, that's, uh, there's been lots of uh, opportunities for us you know, to intervene in a, in a very positive way, too, probably more so than the other. So uh, uh, I guess I gave you a good piano answer without really answering yeah. that. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's okay. I, I get it. I get it for sure. You know, we both mentioned Mark Brady a couple of times, uh, who is side-by-side uh, side with you as an adjunct instructor now. Uh, I think he started in it, and, and you've followed uh, along there. But I, I know the two of you worked together in PGFD for a long time, then side-by-side side, Montgomery and Prince George's, and then when you went to D.C., um, the partnerships and relationships I saw the two of you build have certainly been lasting hallmarks um, on my own career um, in the way relationships are built with the media and with politicians and, and different things like that. So let's talk for a minute about those relationships. And can you talk to our listeners of why it's important to maintain relationships with fellow PIOs, uh, but also with the media and, and really anyone to help the PIOs uh, do their job? You know, uh, Will, uh, I've said for years how important their relationships are, and I think you've seen uh, direct and indirect benefit of that in, you know, the organizations you've been with. is like, uh, you know, in the metropolitan Washington area, uh, it would not be unusual for Mark, Mark and I, or, you know, separately, uh, visiting the local TV stations, you know, talking to the reporters, you know, meeting them. Uh, you know, that, that world has changed a little bit, but uh, you know, that's very important to, um, you know, develop those relationships in a non-emergency situation. Sure. Uh, you know, lots of opportunities, you know, growing up in College Park and in the uh, association with the University of Maryland and journalism class, you know, countless number of students, you know, called up, you know, when, when they were kids, when they were students, who've gone on to, you know, be some pretty big, you know, media people. And, um, you know, so just those, you know, maintain those relationships and, uh, you know, it's it's not really that difficult, uh, you know, just answer the phone, answer the questions. And, um, you know, not everybody does that or has the um, you know, uh, temperament for that, but uh, I believe it really has so much to do with relationships. And, you know, also, you know, it's a relationship with your uh, chief, with the organization, you know, what kind of relationship does he have with his County executive, governor, whatever, and uh, you know just about everything we do and how we navigate our communities and you know the relationships the organization has, and I think the PIO is in a position to help uh, do that. You know, position the organization to be you know thought of positive in, in a positive way, uh, and uh, that's why we you know do after the fire activities. We're in the schools, uh, we're in the community. Uh, as often as we can be. Uh, typically, when someone dials 911, they want us there, you know, so, uh, you know, they thank us, you know, the, the, their house is burned down, but they, they uh, and all their stuff is burned up, but they thank us anyway for being there. So, um, you know, it's, it's just everything we do, and, you know, it's, um, uh, you know, Mark and I happen to grow up in the you know, same community. Um, and we had a, our career path was a lot the same, so we have benefited from that. We know each other pretty well, and our families know each other. So, uh, you know, just taking the time to, what I said way back in the beginning, know your audience, uh, and relationships have everything to do with that. Yeah. 
All right, we're going to try something new here uh, inside of podcast. So it's going to be uh, called uh, Rapid Fire Tips. So we're uh, I'm going to throw out uh, a couple things, and I'd just like you to spit out some rapid fire tips for a new PIO. Okay. So on uh, the record, we did not practice this. You did not tell me what you were going to say here. So uh, yeah, yeah, we okay. he's absolutely right. We did not practice this, so this is not true. okay. Okay, go so ahead. So these are these are your rapid fire tips. Uh, so new PIO working with the local media. Give me some rapid fire tips. Uh, well, again, we were just talking about it, so uh, get to know your uh, you know, relationships. Get to know who they are, what they do, how they gather their news, and how they uh, you know their newsroom operates. All right. How about when they show up on the scene, local media? Same thing. You know, make sure that they're safe. You know. Uh, the, um, you know, the know what they they need, and typically yeah. they need to uh, you know uh, there's different needs for different media, but uh, certainly know that and take care of them. Sure, and a lot of times they need a quick sound bite because they're getting ready to go live, or maybe they want you live, and yeah, knowing what they need is important. How about national media? How's that differ? Some rapid fire tips there. Same thing. I mean. Uh, you know, get to know who they are. I mean, they, they come into town, they have a different perspective on it. They just want their news and they uh, don't necessarily need uh, or interested in talking head or anything like that, but, you know, kind of know what they want to you know their style. Uh, you know, they most uh, we're, we benefit around here having a lot of the uh, national correspondents live in the metropolitan area. So sure. uh, we get to know them, but again, it's a relationship. So know what they need and take care yeah. of them. Yeah, so it's uh, important for PIO to stay focused clearly uh, when you're on one of these big incidents with a lot of information swirling around and an incident's escalating. I mean, I can imagine a, a thousand of these I've been on where uh, I've shown up and this incident is just going downhill or it's swirling around. And so, again, from the rapid fire perspective, a PIO, new PIO just shows up on this incident, some rapid fire tips to help them stay focused on their mission on one of these escalating, swirling incidents? Well, I'm going to buy a few minutes or a few seconds here before I answer that and getting back to the national media. The one thing I think is have to remember about the national media, yep. they're here today, gone tomorrow. So make mm. sure you take care of your local folks, know what the national media needs, take care of their needs, but they forget about you tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so staying focused now. So, so now you so now you went off focus on me. So staying focused on uh, the 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 um, escalating incident. Just some tips, uh, some short tips on how the PIO can stay focused. Well, uh, you know, I, I will tell you what I do personally. So, uh, you know, the, the any kind of incident, I'll, I'll walk around, kind of do a 360. Of course, I'm, I'll try to get as much knowledge, listen to the radio, whatever the case may be. Um, but listen to the radio. So you also, you're, you're already forming something in your head. You get to the scene, kind of walk around. You might talk to the uh, person that uh, took the hose line in the front. Neighbor might say something to you, go in the back. Uh, the uh, safety officer might have his share his perspective. You get up to the incident commander, they're going to share their perspective. So it's up to you to put the, all that together in layperson's terms. Like, what's the impact on the community? What's the important thing here? Everybody has something that was important to them, the way they saw it, um, and uh, but that's where you have to kind of know what everybody's jobs are. You know how how, you know, how fire departments operate in this case, uh, and uh, you know what's going to be important to the community. So uh, focus on the community, 
you know, your audience. Okay. All right. And the last one in this uh, territory, you know, we've seen a lot of disinformation and misinformation in the era of COVID. So for that new PIO, um, some rapid fire advice on how they can manage disinformation. I have to go back to, you know, get it first, get it right, get it out. You know, I also have a simple uh, phrase that, you know, what do you know? Who needs to know it? And have you told them yet? And that kind of, you know, goes with get it first, get it right, get it out. You, you have to have a system to, you know, have some checks and balances within your organization, approvals, if you will, um, you know, to get information out, but it has to be quick in today's world. So, uh, you know, if you have a long, drawn-out approval process, uh, you know, there's going to be opportunities for the misinformation to get ahead of the correct information. So, uh, you know, it's important to get it out, get it, get it out, you know, get it first, get it out, get it right and, uh, you know, become the source of information. Yeah. Certainly, Excellent. Uh, as things become more drawn out and uh, bigger incident and so forth, you should have people monitoring that. And, you know, if it's, you know, let's say a disaster situation, a flood or a chemical spill or something like that, you know, it's important to correct misinformation. Sure. Otherwise, uh, you can just, if it's uh, kind of a you know, uh, regular run-of-the-mill incident, yeah, just make sure that you keep getting the right information out. You have become a source of information, and people will rely on that and uh, you know, have confidence in your information. You're, you will be the go-to person. Good stuff. All right, let's, um, let's capture some takeaways from our discussion today with uh, Pete Perringer. We've talked a lot about uh, his nearly 50 years in the business and how things have changed from um, when he first started as a volunteer and a dispatcher to – uh, where we are today. And one of the biggest differences uh, is the social media age, which really didn't come around until 2004, 2006. Uh, how that, how social media has greatly affected uh, how quickly uh, incident information gets out. Uh, what used to take hours to get to a few people can now be around the world in a matter of seconds. Uh, so a huge difference in the way information flow is and information is communicated. And we talked about uh, the difficult nuances for PIOs and uh, what they, uh, they, as an instructor, what Pete and uh, his fellow instructors do to help new PIOs navigate those nuances. And he talked about making sure you have buy-in from the leadership, and that's leadership of the department. Uh, PIO is going to have a hard time functioning without that buy-in. Uh, having a dedicated PIO is also important. A lot of smaller departments, the one that I'm with now, we don't have our own dedicated PIO. That's not a, a matter of uh, desire as much as it's just a matter of uh, of funding and availability, but having a dedicated PIO is pretty critical, especially for big departments. And then building relationships is a common theme throughout our discussion, uh, knowing your community, knowing the politics, but, but building relationships one way or the other. We talked about practice, practice, practice. For a PIO that's developing and, and learning the tools of the trade, just practice, 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 and make sure that FEMA courses and, and career development in general uh, are part of what that new PIO is constantly doing. I certainly have always recommended for the, a new PIO, if they have not been in the business before, to get out and do ride-alongs, ride along with the fire, ride along with EMS, ride along with law enforcement. Um, that's critical to be able to see that in those emergent ways. Uh, and then we talked about the PIO. Uh, it's some advice to keep them headed in the right direction. And that's where the first time we talked about getting the right info uh, to the right people at the right time so they can make the right decisions. And then uh, he quoted uh, uh, Dave Statter 
uh, as uh, the get it first, get it right, and get it out. Um, as we continued the uh, conversation, we talked a, a little bit about 9-11 and how the changes that have come about, certainly not only in the Washington, D.C. area, but uh, that's where we were talking about, uh, the interoperable communications, the change that happened from prior to 9-11 till now, uh, the ability to have interoperable comms completely across the national capital region, and also social media again. Uh, the ability to communicate instantly today wasn't available in 2001. Uh, so it's certainly a totally different world uh, as, as things have evolved. Uh, and then some of the takeaways from the PIO world with respect to 9-11 were really takeaways for the entire fire service, and that was NIMS development. NIMS development was a big piece coming out of 9-11 as a, uh, I'll say, a forced uh, federal tactic, but uh, that's that's what it took to get people uh, to begin using it. Uh, the importance of incident management teams came out of that as important for PIOs to be a part of those incident management teams. And then a good takeaway, uh, one-liner, uh, on a big incident like that, you need to have one message and you're going to have many voices. So you need to make sure that all those voices have that, that one message. And then as we closed out, we talked about uh, relationship building being critical. Uh, starting when there's no emergency going on. I do remember uh, Pete and, and Mark going to the radio stations and the TV stations and sitting down and having those conversations just as a, a kind of a team building, a relationship building exercise. Great way to uh, not only get your face out there and get your department out there, but to build those relationships so when they show up on the scene or they call your cell phone, it's not only it's not the first time they're meeting you or hearing from you, but they know, you, you know each other, and it's an easier conversation at that point. Knowing the media, knowing the politics, knowing the internal operating uh, conditions in your department, and then certainly knowing your community. And then finally, we closed out with some rapid fire uh, discussion about uh, local and national media. And uh, one of the really salient points I took away from the discussion of the difference between local and national media was take care of all the media, but take care of your local media first because the national media is here today and gone tomorrow. And it's a fact that uh, the national media has fish to fry all over the country, and they may be in your backyard today. They're going to be in somebody else's backyard tomorrow, but your local media is still going to be here. So take care of all the media, but take care of the local media first. And then on uh, the other rapid fire about uh, staying focused, uh, a good takeaway there was to get your own 360. So, you know, you can listen to the radio all day long, you can hear everything that's going on, but I still, to this day, if I show up at an incident scene that's that's already have a command established, one of the first things I do is either do it myself or get someone to do a 360 so that I get those eyes on. Great idea for the PIO so they have uh, that information in their pocket. And then again, knowing your audience uh, to be able to stay focused on that incident. And then finally, managing disinformation. Uh, you know, we talked about the PIO becoming the source, making sure that the PIO has the correct uh, information to be able to correct misinformation uh, and to ask yourself, what do you know, who needs to know it, and have you told them yet? So, Pete, I really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, is there anything else you want to share with us about the role of the PIO um, or your own career in general? Well, the, uh, Chief, obviously you were listening, so good job there, and uh, took good notes. But you know, maybe um, uh, you know, in, in long lines of those rapid fire things that you uh, threw out at me, 
some really basic interview tips might be helpful okay. uh, for the uh, listeners. So, you know, there's four or five here that, but, you know, interview tips, very basic, you know, stand up straight, stay calm, don't rush through it, watch your body language, look at the reporter, not the camera, if it's a uh, media camera. Avoid using jargon, acronyms, you know, keep it simple, stay in control of the interview. The five W's, who, what, where, when, why, have bullet points to refer to, don't read them. You know, kind of look them over before you do the interview. And when you're done, you're done. Less is more in most cases. <laughs> and avoid no comment. If you don't know, don't say it. And bridge back to your message, you know, what I can tell you is so on and so forth. So, right. And uh, those are really basic things, but can go a long way in uh, making you successful if, in fact, you have to do an interview. Yeah, one of the, one of the biggest things I learned from y'all is to – well, you just said it again. Never, ever say the two words, no comment. You you want to get something blown out of proportion, use those two words. It's going to get blown out of proportion. We've been talking today with Pete Perringer, the chief spokesperson for the Montgomery County, Maryland Fire and Rescue Department. Thanks for joining us here on Lexapol and Fire Rescue One's Side Alpha podcast. You can also join us on FireRescue1.com and FireChief.com for all the latest news and information affecting the fire service worldwide. This is Mark Bayshore, executive editor for FireRescue1.com. Keep safe, stay smart, and take care.